0: Hi, Saber Talk listeners, and thank you for continuing to stick with me and for coming back to the podcast. Any of my listeners that that do come back, I've I'd like to really apologize, uh, but also there are pretty understandable reasons behind it. So I I had been watching games when I've been on the road. I uh, my job does involve a lot of travel, so I had been watching games on my work laptop. I didn't have a, a personal laptop, I had a desktop at home. Um, I would watch through my, um, through my Xbox at home, but when I was on the road, I was able to always watch on my work laptop, able to do my podcast and, and all that. But with the changeover to NHL TV, all of a sudden that did not work anymore for whatever reason. And any of you that have work laptops know how restrictive they are. You don't have any administrative privileges. I couldn't, try to screw around with whatever Flash players I had or download different browsers. I was stuck with whatever I was stuck with, and there was no option to to upgrade or to, to get to the point where I could actually watch the games, and I had no other device I could watch them on, so I had to take a bit of a hiatus, but I am back, and I was able to purchase a used laptop down here. I'm, I'm in Dallas right now for a period of about seven weeks, so... I'll be able to watch the games on there, and be able to do everything that um, that I'm able to do from home. And this is beautiful laptop, nicest nicest one I've ever had. So uh, I'm very happy with that there. But there will be no more hiatuses like that. And like I said before, thank you again for for sticking with me. I really really appreciate it. Of course, I wish that my first podcast back, I was ta- I would be talking about something positive. Um, but also, I, I can't really give much of an update about the past few games because all that I was able to do was, was watch highlights and watch what other people were saying about it, but it's not fair for me to just try to parrot what other people have said or what I can garner from highlights. So this is going to be pretty much all about just this game and about looking forward rather than looking at the past few games where I, I had nothing to talk about from them. So first of all, and I've talked about this quite a few times, but th- this team is now 9-16 and 3 at home, which is putrid. And they're they're not bad on the road. They're relatively they're closer to average at home, but they are closer to average on the road. But they are by far the worst home team. And if you look at what other teams are doing at home, their records look closer to what the Sabers are doing on the road. And these bad teams they're doing horrendously on the on the road. So if you look at the teams below the Sabres in the standings, Columbus right now is 9-11 and 5 at home, Toronto's 8-8 and 7, and Edmonton is 14-10 and 1. So obviously those are all they're not all great home uh, home records, but compared to 9-16 and 3, they're considerably better. So I've tried to put my finger on what's going on before, but I I really don't know. I don't know. Some people have theorized that it's because Bilesma has less control over the lines and the matchups on the road, and he's actually being destructive at home. Uh, I don't know if that's the case. I have a a huge problem with a lot of Bilesma's usage, but I don't know if any NHL coach can be that bad where they have that kind of detrimental effect when they have some, some semblance of control over the game. So I don't know about that. I don't know if it's more pressure at home but i think the fans are pretty understanding so it's not really a hostile environment they're they're i think everybody at least all the reasonable fans are they they understand what this year is they weren't expecting a playoff team they're taking the good with the bad and i don't think it's a hostile environment to come into so i don't know if it's they think less on the road uh I know that sometimes going and playing a simpler game on the road, but they always tend to play a pretty simple game. I think without much offense, um, very system oriented, kind of dump and chase type of type of style. Uh, so I'm still kind of at a loss, and I think now it's at the point where it it's t- it's statistically significant. That this team is bad at home, and they're not bad on the they're not bad on the road. At least they're much better on the road than they are at home. So. It's just something weird that keeps building on itself every time they lose a game at home. I'll try to talk about a couple of the positives that came out of this one. Like I said, there aren't many, but uh, Sam Reinhardt had another good game, and he's he's really he's really come back again after having a kind of rough stretch where you thought maybe he might be hitting that rookie wall, not being used to playing an entire season. He wasn't producing for a while, you weren't noticing him a whole lot, but being able to pot a couple goals tonight, I did think that that second goal that he turned his foot on, I thought he did kick it, I thought it was going to be disallowed, especially, and this is maybe me being a biased Sabres fan, but seeing how many calls tend to go against the Sabres, um, I thought that that would be overturned, and I wouldn't have had a problem with it if it was overturned, I thought it should have been, but good for him to get a couple goals and and it's been i think very surprising to to just about anybody if not, if not everybody but how he 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 was coming in expecting we were expecting him to be the playmaker and to be put to to be setting other people up but he's been able to take over that that net front role and who would have thought he would be the guy to take over the net front role and be able to show really show a lot there He's great in the power play because he is good at finding the open guy, making the right pass, but he also can find the position in front of the net, find the find the soft spot and he has great hands around the net to to finish when he gets the chance or to or to tip a puck on a on a shot coming in from the point. So it's great to see him get a couple goals and to have a to have a good overall game. And then Evander Kane, his line mate, I thought also had a very good game and it wasn't just because of the three fights. So that was very entertaining and i thought it was it was great to to see out of him he he he's always playing hard and you don't really see him take a take a night off but just to see a kind of attitude trying to fire the team up when they went when they got down by so much early and also to see him get a goal to get rewarded on the score sheet for what i thought was a was a good overall game so he i, I think he can really be a catalyst when he's when he's playing that way and when you know he, he, he also is firing up the crowd when he signaled to zip and you know a big smile on his face and I think he's he's slowly but surely becoming a f- uh, fan favorite here I think he he isn't without his flaws and we all we all know that we all know that he's not gonna he's probably not gonna ever be the 30 goal guy that maybe you thought he may be earlier earlier in his career but I think that he can be a 20 goal guy and can fit in with the right line mates and can bring his speed, his size, can protect maybe smaller smaller guys on his line that aren't as comfortable with the physical play and is a great checker. So you you got to you, you have to take what those positives are with the negatives being that he's not much of a playmaker. He te- he shoots wide a lot. He shoots a lot from from long distances. And when he's out on the ice, you tend to get more odd rushes against because his shots will go off the boards and, and fling out to center ice. So I'm just trying to take the, take the positives with the negatives. And, w- and when he's playing like he is or like he did tonight, then there are a lot more positive there than negatives. And I thought related to that point, I thought it was nice to see how they came back from, they were down for nothing at one point in this game and, six to two at one point. And to come back and you know, they were they were there at the end. It was six to four. They were able to pull Johnson with like two and a half minutes left. And McGinn had a beautiful chance on a feed from O'Reilly that Luongo made a made a big save on. But if McGinn had, had scored there, Florida wouldn't have scored in the on the empty net. It would have been six to five still with over a minute left. And you never know what could happen at that point. So for them to fight back, I thought, was was great. And, yeah, it was a disappointing overall game, and you'd hate to see all these defensive breakdowns, but um, just trying to look at what there is there that, that can be built on. And I think they, they never really quit in games, or they rarely quit in games. So that's a good attitude type of thing that I think these young players can, can bring in the future when really all, all, a lot of these veteran Guys are gone, and a lot of the a lot of the superfluous pieces around this core are gone. You hope that that's something that can continue to to be part of the Sabres identity looking forward. So now to the bad things, to the <laughs> to the the bad, and the terrible, and the ugly. Um, the defense as a whole, I thought, was was pretty horrendous. So you can't really single out anybody as as having a good game tonight. So ristaline and he was not himself. I thought he fumbled the puck multiple times in the defensive zone. He he was fine in the offensive zone, um but a couple times on breakouts and when he got the puck in the corner, he was losing the puck, not making quick decisive decisions and um one thing that stood out, you you always think about goals in your head. That's that's what are going to remain in your mind was he really lost that battle with, with Yarmir Yager on the second goal when Yager was coming across and uh, he screened on the shot. He didn't tip it. It looked initially like he did tip it, but he, d- he didn't tip the shot, but it was the screen that caused Leonard to not be able to see it, to see the shot at all. And Ristalainen did not box him out. He's got to get his body in that position, and it looked like he was just content to let Yager come across to where the puck was, but he, he's he got to get his body in the way there and try to prevent him from taking that position. And th- That's one of those types of plays where it's a veteran out-thinking, out-muscling uh, a young player. I mean, it's not like Ristolainen consistently lost battles like that all year, but I think it was just things like that that you could see he wasn't himself tonight, and really as Ristolainen goes, this defense tends to go and so when he has an off night, they're probably they're going to let up a few goals that night, pretty much, unless everybody steps up and has great games around him, which I don't know if we've seen happen once this year where he's played poorly or more, more mediocre and everybody else has played well. I don't think you've seen that once all year. Georges, I thought, had a very poor game. Uh, the puck repeatedly died on his stick. And made a couple costly turnovers and I've said this a couple other times on this podcast but as much as I like the guy and I respect the career he's been able to, to put together after coming in as an undrafted undrafted defenseman and he's you know undersized and made a living blocking shots and he really has no one outstanding quality about him and he never has but he's able to to be a top four defenseman for some very good Montreal teams because he was willing to do whatever it took to win. And I still like him. I think he has a place in this locker room right now as a, as a leader. But with two years left on his deal after this year, at $3.9 million cap hit per year, I think if if Murray can move him without having to take money back, maybe beyond next year, I don't know what you could get for him. I don't know what the market would look for would look like for him. I haven't seen any rumors or anything. I don't know if they're even trying to move him. But if if you can, and you can get that money off the books, maybe not get all the money off next year. Say they took back a contract that goes into next year. But for 2017-2018 to have that off the books would be would be great because he's looking more and more already like a number six or number seven defenseman, and those are the types of guys who's games fall off the most. An undersized, think about an undersized defenseman that makes a living on blocking shots. Those are the guys who their skating falls off cuz they take such a toll year after year. He already wasn't a great skater in the first place. And he doesn't have any sort of one quality to to make up for it. So like I said, as much as I like the guy, I don't I don't know if and I hope he doesn't have a place in buffalo going forward um, and that's mainly due to if he was making a million dollars a year be one thing to keep him around as a, as a 6 7 tweener but if you think in maybe 2017 2018 they could try to make a run and try to add some some big cap money and start to get up closer to the cap then all of a sudden it becomes a, a real liability doesn't hurt him this year probably not next year either because I don't think they're going to be up close enough to the cap for it to really matter but it's really that year that I'm that I'm worried about uh, mark pessick also he had a couple uncharacteristic giveaways in the defensive zone I, I would kind of compare him to he has a wrist align and type impact on this on this blue line though he's not as important but he i i think you could say with confidence he's the second best defenseman on this team and if he's not having a good game then probably the whole defense is neither and i thought he made a couple you know he just was kind of sloppy with the puck and um you don't see that a lot from him a couple blatant giveaways that just i'm I was surprised it was him that did that because usually he he's so good at making the at making the right the right decision. Um, I think sometimes these kind of things can be contagious. If your partner's not playing well, the other defensemen aren't playing well. You're also playing a good team in Florida, then that stuff can can snowball to to everyone. Bogosian also he he looked a step slow to me recently and. Losing a lot of battles. One play sticks out to me from this game is when he was. It it turned into the goal. It was with with him and him and Pesek on the ice, and um, Bogosian straight up lost the battle to get to the puck in the corner, and he just got blown by. I forget who it was that that beat him there. But then ended up feeding it in front. There were two guys in front, and there was a quick one timer. Um, also, Pesek was out of position. On that play, though, it probably would have been tough either way. I think he was expecting Bogosian to to win the battle, or at least to not lose it instantly, like he did. Um, and obviously, it resulted in a goal, so that that stands out in my mind. But just losing battles like that, looking slow because he is a or he has been a, a very good skater, so it's it's concerning to me that he that he looks slow and maybe he is still injured. I don't know. Um, This is another criticism that's been around him his entire career is that he wanders too much in the defensive zone, and I think you've seen that a lot uh, recently. So I'm a little concerned with him. I don't know where his spot is in the lineup. Um, It would be amazing if he can really get on track down the stretch, but with how much they have to lean on him, they don't have a ton of other options on this blue line. They need quality play out of him, and when they're not getting it, they're 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 not gonna have a second pairing and they haven't been getting it recently. So that's part of the reason why the defense is why the defense looked so terrible tonight. Um I think along with all the defensive struggles, the forward lineup obviously left a lot to be desired today. So missing both Larson and Gergensen's And also missing Ennis, who they've been missing for for a long time, but not having all of those guys. And then Bilesma deciding to react to that by using O'Reilly, Eichel, and Reinhardt all down the middle at center. It makes your wing depth, I mean, that had to be one of the worst winger lineups that's been played in the NHL so far this year. Um, It reminds me of the winger lineups they've they've had the last couple years. But when you have Nick Delorier and Matt Molson both playing in your top nine, there's there's something wrong there. And yes, you've got having O'Reilly, Eichel, and Reinhardt down the middle. It's very interesting. That's one of the better crops of centers in the entire league. If you don't have the wingers to go next to them, and you're you're playing guys blatantly out of position. You know, Matt Molson probably belongs in the press box right now. Um, Nick Delorier doesn't belong playing any higher up on higher up than on the fourth line, as much as I like what he what he can bring at times. But when you have this kind of winger depth with those centers, inevitably at least one or two is going to be saddled with very weak line mates. And I think you saw that tonight. And yeah, these guys are talented enough to, to be able to shine in a lot of spots even with those kind of those kind of um, hamperings, but against good teams like Florida, they're not gonna they're not gonna allow those those centers to to get the space that they need basically when they don't have wingers around them that command any sort of respect. Um, Leonard obviously he he struggled. I'm hoping it's just an off game because he has played really well so far. He came into the game I think with a 9.39 safe percentage so far. Um, I would say two two of the goals, obviously the the fourth goal when he got pulled that shot from from the hashes uh, on the boards, that was a an extremely weak goal. The second goal too, you can make an argument for that he he should stop that. I know he didn't see it. Um but hopefully he'll be able to come back. I'm assuming they'll probably go back to him on on Thursday against Philly. Though I've been pretty bad on this podcast. I've made several wrong goaltending predictions. So maybe we should just start going with the opposite of, of what I think. Uh, but hopefully he can he can bounce back from that. Um, I think the whole team played pretty terribly to start, and the def- there were multiple defensive breakdowns, so it wasn't all on him for sure. But um, he definitely made a couple of mistakes. I'm sure he'd be the first one to, to admit that. So now coming out of this game, I know a lot of people are thinking about the thinking about the draft, where the Sabres are going to end up drafting, which I 100% understand, only 28 games left. So basically two-thirds of the way through the season, really starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel of another tough season. But right now they're in 27th place. They've got 48 points in 54 games. And then 28, 29, 30 right now is Columbus, Toronto, and Edmonton. Columbus has 48 in 55 games. Toronto has 47 in 52 games. And Edmonton has 47 points in 55 games. So you've got to think in 30th Edmonton, you've got to think with McDavid back, they're going to go on at least a little bit of a run because they they look like a quality team with him at the beginning of the year, and he really is that good that he can single-handedly make Make a big difference to take a team from 30th maybe to to 26th over a third of over a third of a season. So I I think they will finish ahead of they'll finish ahead of Buffalo. I would be willing to bet. And they're you know they're basically neck and neck right now. Yeah, Edmonton's played one more game and they have won less point. But you know really all it takes is all it takes is basically you know one win and a Buffalo loss. Now all of a sudden Edmonton is is back in front again um Toronto I think they're going to sell off a lot of pieces so they're probably going to be there at the end the way it looks right now they have two games in hand and they're only a point behind Buffalo they're pretty close I think you can make an argument either way cuz the Sabres are going to sell off pieces too but they still have will have more talent than Toronto I think after after the trade deadline they you can argue and I would argue they have more talent right now. The Sabres have more talent right now, even with all the pieces still on Toronto's roster. And you already saw it with with the FNUF trade. And I'll I'll touch on that a little bit. I had forgotten to to even consider talking about that, but now that I just mentioned it, I'll give my opinion. And then Columbus, um, who's in 28th right now. I think it will be Buffalo, Columbus, Toronto in some sort of order in the bottom three. I don't really see anybody else dropping down. That's kind of the clear-cut bottom four right now, along with Edmonton. But I do think Edmonton's going to rise up, and maybe they'll I could say, see them finishing the season in 27th and some combination of Buffalo, Columbus, Toronto in 28, 29, 30. Um, so about the FNUF trade, I, I'd like it for Toronto. I'd, I thought he would have more value than that I I know his contract is terrible and I understand just wanting to to get rid of it so I don't I'm not critical of the move and I understand it from an Ottawa perspective too where the the dollars really matter to them more than the cap hit and he's still as expensive in terms of dollars but the front-loaded more expensive years have already come off that deal or at least have already partially come off of that deal so he's cheaper than his cap hit would indicate. He's more valuable to a team with an internal cap like the Senators than he would than he would be to a cap a cap team like say the Sabres, a team that though the Sabres aren't up against the cap now when they're contending, they're going to be spending up to the cap. Um, really there's not any uh, high quality piece going back to Toronto. There's a 2017 second round pick. Um, Lindbergh is a pretty good prospect. Um, not an amazing prospect, not an A-level a prospect or anything, but those are the two most valuable pieces. And then Jared Cowan, who maybe could turn it around in Toronto. I don't know what they're going to do with him, if they'll buy him out or write out his deal. Colin Greening, he has another year left on his deal. Terrible contract, but sent back to make the money, the money work. And um, Milan McCulloch... And um, he he's not really worth his salary anymore. He has one more year left on his on his deal as well. You know maybe a good a decent third liner now. He'll just kind of be a filler for and maybe they can move him at next year's deadline and get some picks back. But I understand from Toronto's point of view they want to shed themselves of of FNF's contract and get some pieces back. And they didn't really take anything back that is super negative value because it's not like they're going to be spending up to the cap next year, so they can afford to take a couple of these deals that are bad but are going into it next year. But to them, none of these deals they're taking back are, are terrible. And for Ottawa, you get really FNUF is the only valuable piece they get, but you get an upgrade to your defense. Their defense is is bad. It's very Outside of Eric Carlson, it is bad. And Cody Ceci, really it's those two. And then a bunch of, you know, number seven defensemen, basically. Or, you know, kind of six, seven defensemen. You don't have a number three. You've got like a number one and a number three and nothing else. And it's similar to what the what the Sabres defense looked like when Bogosian was out. Um, so I can see this. This makes sense from both sides. And I... I can't really declare a winner right now, one way or the other. Who I think won, I think uh, I think Toronto will win it over the long term, and I think basically because of the extra moves they'll be able to make, the more f- the flexibility they'll be able to have, and I think Ottawa will will win it over the next few years because I think Finnoff, when he's not the guy, is much better, and obviously Carlson is the guy there, so he doesn't have to be that, that player anymore. Um, or try to be something he's not anymore. And so I think, I think this is kind of one of those win-win deals. And obviously, enough staying in the division, I'm not going to root for him going to Ottawa. Um, I, I can't really root for anybody in this deal, but it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. So back to the Sabres. They're going to go to Philadelphia on Thursday. Uh, Philly, they're still kind of on the fringes on the playoff race due to having a few games in hand on most of the teams in front of them. But uh, this is a pretty important game for them because they need to make those games in hand matter. And now, you know, at the two-thirds point of the season, every game becomes important when you're in that in that kind of position. But I think making the playoffs for them isn't really the goal this year. It'd be very nice, but I don't. I ultimately don't think they're going to make it. They have a lot of teams they have to jump. Uh, and if you look at the conference only Columbus and Buffalo have worse goal differentials than them and I know goal differential doesn't always perfectly correspond to record and how teams turn out and there have been teams with great goal differentials that have missed the playoffs and poor goal differentials that have made it but it's a pretty good indicator of how a team is and theirs is is poor when looking at the at the rest of the conference I think what's most important for them is is Ron Hextel coming in and clearing out a lot of the bad contracts that they that they ha- they've had on their books, and it's going to give them flexibility. You can look at it almost like what, what what Toronto is doing right now, but it gives them a ton of flexibility in the future to be able to spend money. And for from their perspective, the hope is that they don't spend it foolishly again. But it looks like finally they have some reasonable management that's realizing we can't keep doing this. We can't keep getting bailed out of our bad contracts and they have lucked out a bunch of times and being able to just thinking being able to, to get rid of uh, Pronger's deal. Um, and also get rid of uh, Nicholas Grossman at the same time. Um, being able to shed Vinny, Vinny, uh, Lecavillet earlier this year, um, But then you even think further back and being able to compliance buy out Ilya Briskolov when that deal blew up in their face. They have gotten bailed out. They have gotten lucky a few times. Um, But I think Hextel now is finally instilling some discipline there, and they're starting to build around some pieces of their young core. And with another high pick this year, assuming that they stay where they are now in the conference, but they'd have probably another top ten pick. Be another another um, high level prospect to the organization, and be able to really go at this next year. Maybe we'll spend a little bit of money in the off season with more of the with the flexibility, the added flexibility they they now have. I think recently they haven't played well recently. I, th- I believe I looked at I think they're four five and one in their last ten games. Um, they've been try- kind of whole trying to just tread water while Michael Neuvert has been out but he was really a, a revelation for them and Austin Buffalo we saw what he's capable of but i think a lot of people around the league didn't didn't realize necessarily but he was able to go to Philly and really wrestle that job from from Steve Mason but he's been hurt and so they've got to go with the less hot hand and i think they that's that's hurt them a lot but it'll be a big game for Philly uh I'm excited for the Sabres to not have to not have to play at home with how, with how bad they've been. But it's great. I'm so happy to be able to do this podcast again. And I'm sorry for having to have taken a couple, couple weeks off. It was, not, uh, it was not self-imposed. It was due to factors out of my control. But thank you so much for, for tuning in again. And I, I really, really, really appreciate it. And look forward to talking to you again after Thursday's game. Thank you.